You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Elevator's Cut. I am one of your hosts, Roger Gaddis. And I am your other host, old Jason Wheeler. Hello, old sir. <laughs> we are back for another episode. Thought you'd lost us, but we're back. So today we wanted to talk about new crop. Selling new crop, managing new crop. What the heck? What are we doing? I don't know. I just showed up. Ate right. some snacks. And now we're trying to talk basis things. That's right. We threw down a party stack of Pringles. We killed this thing. Oh, let's go. So ashamed. Um, so anyways, today we wanted to look at, um, from the perspective of both the farmer, because Roger's going to be doing farmer meetings here uh, shortly, north of the border, even. He's going to Pi Day up in Canada. Oh, I can't wait. So March 14th is a different day in Canada. Is that right? Pi Day? Is that how it works? Wrong Pi. Is this like Thanksgiving and they do it on a different day? Something like that. Okay. P-I-E. Two vowels. (laughs) Like (laughs) Owets. So anyways. um, Yeah. So Roger's, Roger's in that frame of mind. So we wanted to to take it, harness it, get it into a podcast here for uh, for the people to hear, but then also talk about uh, one of the things we've been talking about in our meetings with grain elevator folks is what the heck we're going to do with new crop grain because there aren't any carries and aren't there supposed to be carries and why aren't there carries and can you make carries happen, Roger? What? Yep. So it was interesting. You said today we're going to be looking at, and literally Jason and I are looking at a whiteboard with spreads drawn on them. Mm-hmm. And not just any kind of spreads, the best kind, corn, beans, and wheat. And that's what we're looking at. So you're going to, as a listener, you always have to do some mental gymnastics when you listen to this podcast. I, I'm, I'm sure of that. It's going to be a little tougher today. You're going to have to, I would challenge you even to stop if you're driving. Get out, get your ruler. If you don't have some graph paper, go to Office Depot and get some and draw these things out. This is it. In all seriousness, this is how people learn and visualize spread adjustments with bases. You can do it with pure math, but it's 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 a bloody nightmare. Bases math doesn't doesn't work out real well. So I would suggest you draw it out. We like T-charts. Could do C charts or V charts or whatever, but we like D charts. Yeah, basis. We we always say basis follows the spread, so we feel like we should know what spreads are doing at any given time to really have a good grasp on an opinion of basis. And so, for a grain elevator person who trades basis as as their means of merchandising for to make money for to make money, <laughs> but. For, for someone who does that, you need to have an opinion on the basis at any given time. Either, hey, it's going up, hey, it's going down, or hey, it could do anything and I need to be out of the way of it. Uh, so that is, is very important. So that's why 
since spread kind of tell you direction of the basis should, should be in your mind. Yes. And, you know, when it comes here, we are in March, you know, several months ahead of fall crops. And let's talk on corn for, for a moment, just because everybody loves corn. This is the darling of the U.S. agriculture, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's certainly better than Milo. Yeah, you can play baseball in it. There you go. Fields of dreams. Fields of aflatoxin. <laughs> anyway. If, okay, wait a second. What if, what if they tried to do the field of dreams in a, in a Milo field? It would, be, it would be itch city. <laughs> People would be like crying allergies. It'd be, I can't go up Where's back. my gold bond? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Aside, we'll get back. That it. sounds, that's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. The field of nightmares is what Milo would be. It's playing right. ball in. So if you think about, let's say take corn market. And if you're buying new crop delivered corn, harvest delivered corn today, how do you know what you should be bidding? Well, I think the default answer is, oh, what I usually always bid. And that's that's fair. That's fair. Or what's my competition bidding? What's my comp- which is usually leads into the what I usually bid. Yeah. People are creatures of habits, humans. <clears throat> or you may go off of what your end user that you sell to is bidding and back off your freight and handling income that you're, you know, buy basis. But what's freight and handling? Will it be different this year? Maybe it won't be the same this it's year. Time's different. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, fuel surcharges I've heard right. are right. things. So, um, are you are you accounting for that in your bid? And uh, inflation, I hear, is a problem. And also deflation, I hear, it would also be a nightmare. Yeah, but if you've got bigger corn kernels in the trailer, you're okay. Okay. So you Those just inflated. start a little higher than you deflate. Yes. And okay. you turn the fans on. There you go. Well, anyways, that creates fuel efficiency. There you so go. So maybe we're already solved both problems here. Nature's dryer. <laughs> but anyway, no. So I, I, I say inflation because what are your costs uh, as a grain facility? Is your handling margin where it should be? Right. Uh, whatever it was two years ago, probably all your costs are a good bit more. Are you adjusting that? Typically, guys, don't. But maybe it's something to right. open up and look at with with things with a lot of costs exploding, especially. Le- I, sorry to derail here, but no, no, we'll no, right, right on. But fifty percent of the overhead cost at a grain elevator is labor, and we all know labor's going up. Um, so that just that's a little aside. But your your operating line, the the note, the interest rates are going up, and you're going to be borrowing more because. Commodities are priced higher. So lots of labor things. is going up. That's true. Unless you have employees quit, then it goes down. Well, then you then you buy, you know, mechanical uh, things that will replace drones. <laughs> An automatic coffee pot in the office. <laughs> well, you get those honey buns delivered now anyway. So. Fly the drone in there with an arm that can uh, open, a, open the uh, <laughs> dark trap. The, the trap. So the other, the other thing is, you know, when it comes to setting your, your bid is, uh, and, and probably a lot of people haven't encountered this yet just because it's March, but crops not really, except for a few states even planted yet. But you did have, you've had people booking new crop corn all along through this big rally this winter or this first quarter of 22. And uh, I think as stuff starts to get planted, more widespread areas over the next month or two, you're going to see more people book these prices because they're good prices. I mean, December futures are, you know, a stone's throw away from seven bucks. I mean, this is really good levels to, for, as a seller. But as the buyer, you know, you've got to be looking and be prepared and, and think of this stuff ahead of time when it comes to your buy basis where you need to be. 
And one of the other big factors to, to, to put into your buy basis is, you know, where are you going to want that ownership? Because probably you're not going to want it all in the December for the whole time. It, what I'm saying is whatever you buy for harvest, you're probably not all going to sell for harvest. Even if the market structure is saying you should, you probably can't logistically do that unless you have a crop failure or something like that. But normally, you know, it's going to have to be, you're going to have to spread some to March, maybe to May, maybe even July. It all depends if you're a truck house, if you're a shuttle loader, whatever, you've got different logistics things to, to be concerned with. But if you look at the corn, corn spreads as they sit today, these March is a penny carry, March, May is a penny carry, May, July is a two cent inversion. So these to July, is this flat market. It is a flat market. If you are in a market that has traditionally, you know, 30, 40 cents of net basis improvement all year, you know, net of spreads, just 30, that's what you could expect to get as a return to your space. If you could get it owned at harvest when you need to and market it as, as you know, as the basis pops. Um, how do you accomplish that in a flat spread structure? market like this basis follows the spreads right so the idea is basis is gonna be flat all right the, the market's flat we'll probably have a little dip at harvest but you know the thing is too that, that kind of you know might be a counter to that is the way things stand now everyone's going to be empty of corn by harvest farm bins will be empty elevator bins will be empty female bins may be empty and we'll be coming off a summer transition yes. of shortage where basis is going to be strong yes. relative to the, you know, set futures right. and even these futures as we're getting going. So, so the early. idea is basis is going to be high going into harvest, higher than it is now. The grain you can get bought ahead of time, more than likely, is probably going to be cheaper once you'll end up paying at least the beginning of harvest in a lot of markets. And when we say cheaper, we mean basis, not necessarily price. Right, right. Who knows what price will do, but as far as basis. So if, if you're looking in a market where you say, okay, I've got 30 or 40 cents of basis improvement, I, I typically get out here and the spread structure today is flat. I can't, that is, I can't set any carries and I'm buying this stuff from farmers or what it was planned to be. Where do I need to be at with my buy basis to make this work? Yeah. And the other thing is the market. So a flat market tells you don't carry corn, right? right? So you should just take it all in and move hundred percent of your crop immediately. That Easy. can you do that? Easy. That'd be that's a simple. Freight's not an issue. Simple these days. fix. Uh, you know your loadout capacity. Who cares? Uh, you can do it. You know, of, of course not. Right? We have to live in the real world. So even if the spreads aren't good or they're bad, even it doesn't matter because logistically you have to carry uh, to carry corn. And if we figure a zero spread then how do, how do we do it? So if you know it costs you, you know, two cents a month to get out there for that full spread from these, these July 7 months, you know, 14, 15, let's call it 15 cents for sake, easy math, 15 cents out there. You know, it's going to cost you over that time frame. The spreads aren't helping you. So if you do, let's say you've got a feed mill and you've got to carry corn out through the summer to grind feed for your feed mill customers. Yeah. You got to come up with that 15 cents somewhere, right? Or you would like to, you would like to. Yeah. Maybe you should drop your buy basis by 15 cents. You know, again, you're, you're, that's a minimum. That's a minimum because it's, 
it's at least keeping your nose at water's level and what you can get out there from a normal basis. Yeah. Like I said, the, the stuff you buy at harvest time this year, like across the scale type of stuff, it's probably going to be a strong basis, at least at the front of harvest for sure. Yeah. And you know, it all depends on how, if, if we have a big harvest and it comes all at once, there'll be some good downward pressure on the harvest basis and, and hopefully you'll get some good ownership. Other than that, if it, if it's a harvest, it kind of drags on. And it's it's going to be high basis. You, so you're, you know, when you get out there, it's, you're not going to have, have, you need to lower your margin expectations for next year. It's not going to be a traditional margin capture from harvest basis. Now, however, like Roger saying, if you had pre-bought stuff on four contracts, I mean, that will be at traditional harvest at basis level. So you can get probably still get right. a good margin out of those bushels. It's going to be a lot easier if you're looking at it this way of, of dropping your basis now for new crop bookings than it is going to be a harvest. Because right now, not everybody's digging for that. It's just you, know, you and the competitors maybe, but when you get to harvest, it's going to be you, your competitors, and the people you sell to. Everybody's going to be fighting for those bushels at least at the beginning of harvest. And the other thing that comes up, I mean, when I talk to guys in Illinois and stuff, you know, guys will harvest stuff wet there every year anyways, but there'll be a lot of extra pressure to, uh, the drying revenue for the elevator hadn't been great uh, lately. Uh, it's been drying down pretty quick in the fields and stuff. But, um, but this year, if we're coming off a short crop, a transitional stuff, there'll be quick ship bids and guys can get higher basis with early stuff. They'll be trying to move it early out of the fields. So a couple things, you have to make sure um, you're not giving away drying. That's for sure. Because yeah. I don't know if you check, but energy costs are not low. Right. So a lot of people use that, compete with that to get. So if they don't want to compete on basis, let's say, but they want to compete on, hey, we have, you know, this however many points free or whatever, that stuff happens. And this is probably not a year to really get into that because a couple things. One, yeah, like Roger's saying, it's going to cost you more and everybody's going to want to do it. So this is a product you have and you provide that's highly demanded. You want to get compensated for it, for one. For two, grain margins probably look to be slimmer if this environment holds, which we don't know. Uh, but grain margins will be a little slimmer. So the drying revenue will help. And then the other side, of course, is um, how quickly can you get it moved? Because we'll probably be in a time of the reason they're cutting is quick ship bids. But how long does it take for you to dry it and actually get it back out to those bids probably longer than those bids are available. For. Don't be a hero. So that, you know, when you get into that sort of environment, you just got to make sure you're protecting your. The, the temptation for a lot of buyers right now is to say, I'm going to bid a normal quote unquote, normal new crop basis with the expectation that spreads will get back to carries at some point and I'll come out of it. And I, I hope that's true. But I would sure be better, feel more prepared about buying stuff. Again, the board is helping out tremendously. We're at 670 D futures today. Yep. You drop in your bid another dime off of normal or 15 cents or whatever. It's not the end of the world for your cash price sellers, but it could certainly open up things for you a whole lot better than not. You know, you know, if you bought it cheaper and the spreads came in, hey, 
wonderful. That worked fantastic. But if you, you know, the opposite of that is you didn't widen your basis and the spreads didn't get better, that's a double whammy there too. So really, you know, they use the feed mill example a while ago, but if you look at just a, a tip, traditional truck in, truck out elevator, um, you know, you, you kind of need to look at these flat and really it's, it's easy to see in wheat. We can talk about wheat too. Uh, structures for after harvest and just ask yourself what basis level are you are you comfortable owning or do you want to own versus a deferred month so if we, if we take soft wheat right now uh july to sep is a 30 cent inverse sep to dece is a 30 cent inverse and dece march is a 30 cent inverse nice round numbers we love that yeah so you know if you if you traditionally bid say 50 under the July for soft wheat. Well, at today's levels, that's the equivalent of 20 under the SEP. Is that a position that you would like typically like to own or would own versus the SEP? Yes or no? Probably no, because most people are used right. to sitting a, at least a 10 cent carry. And so you would, you know, 50 under July would be a 60 under SEP. So that's a 40 cent swing there. Is that something you can stomach? Or if you got to carry it out past then to OND timeframe, you get the 30 cent inverse. Now you're looking at a, at a 10 over 20 over 20 over. Yeah. Holy smokes. So, you know, you've got, do you, do you feel comfortable owning a 20 over the D's for new crop wheat? I don't think anybody would say yes to that anywhere in the country. Um, with the exception of the deep South, maybe, but even then that's, that's not a great level. And then you throw another 30 cents to the March. If you're forced to carry this stuff into the first of the right, next year, 10 over. okay. 10. I, that's all right. I'm not good at math. The point is inversions make basis higher. And so you've got to, you know, bidding a normal basis for harvest delivery, for sure, wheat this year. If you can't get all that wheat sold move versus the, the end, you're, the way spreads are set now, which they could change and they will, but the way it's set now is a killer for you if you've got to move them out. And that's what you saw people doing but everybody was switching bids and stuff here a while back and they're still doing, but you got to look at it from the other way. Since the spreads aren't there to give you the carry you need to get your basis at levels you, you need out in those deferred months when you actually get to sell the stuff, you've got to start out there. So if you traditionally need to have a 50 under the D say position to make a profit, that's what you normally go for. Start that place. 50 under the D's today is the same as 80 under the SEP, which is the same as a buck 10 under the July. Boom, there's what you need to be. You need to be a buck 10 under the July if you want to own a 50 under the Ds. Right. This is math. But the, instead of the spreads giving us the basis adjustment we need, which is they do on carry years, we have to get it out of the buy basis. And, and that is completely on you. You have to get it out of that way. If spreads change and, and go back to carries, great. But right now, you're bidding for grain right now for a delivery period that that period of spread structure is what it is today. Right. Those you're, big inversions. You're bidding in the inverted environment. You're not yes. bidding in. And the, the mistake people make with the, well, you know, I bid it and hopefully it comes back. If it doesn't, I'll try to sell it quicker and stuff. One, logistically, it's hard to do and everybody's going to want to do it. So good luck getting a good basis out of it or getting in, uh, getting it shipped out in a reasonable time. But the other thing is, if you think of that of, hey, I'm going to bid 60 cents. So in this case, 60 cents higher than maybe the market dictates today, because I think that's going to come back and I'll be, and, and I'll be able to do the normal thing. All right. So if that comes back, 
like you hoped, great. How did you benefit from that? Well, you you didn't. You just get to do the thing you wanted to do anyways. Um, You didn't benefit. If it doesn't come back, you you lost it. Or so basically what you're doing is you're bidding. You're basically giving up in margin what you hope will happen. And the only possible thing is it gets to where you are uh, at a net neutral position. But if it gets worse, you eat everything. You're taking all the risks. You get all the losses. And if everything goes right, you get to come out with a tie. It's like, what, what are we doing? That Taking risk should mean there's an opportunity to get more uh, because you took the risk. There's no opportunity to, to get more. This, it doesn't, right. doesn't pan out for you. That's, that's how I see it. Right. Ed Fryer had a good quote. Uh, I was listening to the, the Fryer Center podcast. Okay. And uh, yep. Dr. McKinsey and Dr. Anderson are interviewing him. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, if your hedge is only successful, if the market moves a certain way or moves a certain amount, it's not a real hedge. Yeah. And that's exactly what this is. You know, if you could say, oh, I, sell, I, I set the basis and sold futures, I hedged. Yeah, I, I'll guarantee you that. But you, you, you know, if you, if you did it based on, well, this will only work if the spreads come back or if this happens. Right. That's not correct. Right. And it's a, it's a plague on, we're talking about the week this coming year and, and it's works for all that, but this happens in every commodity. Every time there's a big inverse and people mm-hmm. want to put their hedges in the old crop and they do it every year. Some of them are even what you'd call pros and we'll trademark, we'll do it. So <clears throat> It's it's a it's a plague that happens every year because you're like, well, we'll just put it in the nearby and it'll come back. All right. Well, you're taking all the risk and you're going to get none of the reward, the reward, really. But you can put old crop and new crop. You don't put new crop and old crop. Yeah. So but, you know, and, and the bean the bean structure right now is similar. It's 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 a train wreck after harvest. So right now. The trade wreck of inversions. Let's put it that way. It's a if you want inversions, it's a it's a great, great thing. It's the opposite of a, what's the opposite yeah. of a train wreck? A train on time. Railment. <laughs> Just a regular a, railment. Roger toot tooting on the Amtrak <laughs> big time, smoking cigars <laughs> or whatever. Have not do. ever had a bad Amtrak trip. So, <laughs> and you've had nothing but a bad Amtrak trip. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> but you so all all three the main commodities. Sorry folks in the north that handle the weird wheats which doesn't pertain to you but you probably have markets that do this too i think it pertains to everybody right now and this is china has forced it this way so that everyone will give them all the grain early right that's, that's what, what i heard i was on gmd the other this day. is great grain robbery <laughs> but all all the main commodities right now the big ones are their their market structures right now for new crop sake lol at holding grain get rid of the stuff Will that change? Yes, those spreads will change. Which way? Who knows? But they will change before between now and harvest. But if I'm looking at this thing and I'm buying new crop grain from farmers, and it's easy to do because they're selling. You buy, and guess what? You're still trying to move old crops. You're focused on old crop, trying to get old crop sold. And before you know it, you look up and you've got a big long the basis position for new crop grain. The market says don't do that. It says get rid of stuff. Yeah. It doesn't say wait to harvest to get rid of it. It says Right now, there's inversions. Don't build long the basis positions. So you got to have some internal limits of what you feel comfortable being long the basis. And really, the, the market's saying be evened up. 
you can make an argument that corn being flat says, you know, you don't have to be, but still, I would argue a flat market says be evened up. And for sure, a new crop beans and wheat, trying to get stuff sold, get a priced if you can, all that stuff. And you're just doing what the market's telling you to do. Mm-hmm. And if it changes later and it builds carries in, great. You're going to keep buying more grain by harvest. Carry that grain. But right now it's saying whatever you get bought for new crop, you need to get laid off if possible. I'd say the other thing it it tells me, so we're sitting in March. So who who knows when this is actually going to come, come out? That's but, true. But uh, we're sitting early in the year and we're seeing this as, as new crop, big inverses or with corn, it's it's flat for a while and then inverts, but uh, big inverses on beans. What it tells me is my policies as a grain elevator should be to, uh, to if I don't have DP, I need to have DP. And what I mean by DP, de- deferred pricing, which allows a farmer to deliver it to you, wait on the price, just like a storage contract would, except you get title to it and can move it out. I'm not saying logistically, obviously, we're going to have challenges early on. Everybody's going to try to be moving out like we've seen this. It's this happened year. for two years. It's been a yeah, like we've challenge. seen this year. But if you ever get to the place where you can finally get through all your ownership and keep shipping, it's going to be very uh, beneficial for you to be able to short the basis. So one, um, one, it'll allow you to get short the basis, but two, on the fee structure wise, we're always harp on, you got to, you got to charge fees and man, we believe in that because you have to compensate your you for what you would be losing in basis improvement out of harvest if you were able to buy the bushels well this year let look at it we don't have that at the moment yeah at the moment so we don't have that so your fees for dp fees anyways should be incentivizing guys to do dp and not storage right so if you have both a lot of a lot of folks like to offer both and dp maybe a penny cheaper or something like that Maybe you get more aggressive on that. Yeah, just raise your storage rate. Keep DP the same, raise storage. Yeah, you're going to need more in fees. So if guys want to really hold and not give you title to it, you're going to need compensated because, you know, margins may be slim this year with a high basis of yeah. harvest and inverses. And, you know, if the inverses stay, then being short the basis and like Jason's talking about, men don't take advantage of that is going to make your margins. If, if not... You're going to end up, you know, say you store grain, you're safe. You're, you're right. You're safe. When the farmer prices, you turn around selling, you make your, what is essentially a back-to-back margin at that time. That's great. It's probably not going to be what the basis margin could have been had you been able to merchandise as the market was saying to, but it's not going to kill you. So there's, there's definitely an opportunity to give up um, by, by, uh, by not going the DP route. But again, this is where we sit now. But the point is, I think Jason's point is you got to, don't be afraid to change your policies as the market changes. Now I know every different states have different rules on when they got to have rates set and all this stuff, but I don't know, challenge you to go make sure you go know what your state says where you can do on this, how often you can change it when and whatnot, but you've got to be able to adapt with the market to have, I mean, it's almost like it's akin to having a last year's wheat discount schedule. In fact, when this year you're eat up with vomitox and a low fallen number and mm-hmm. protein issues and all this, and you're still just ho-humming off of, you know, like it right. was a number two wheat crop. Same type of, same type of thing when it comes to DP fees or storage, people are just really loath to change those things for, I think more out of a fear of offending their customers. 
And I tell you what, it's, it's, if you wait until two weeks till harvest time and say, I better do some, it's too, it's, it's that's tough. too late. It's a marketing or PR nightmare. And you know, you got guys, this is the time of year. You say, look, we never had DP. I think this is the year we finally do it and get the word out now. And it's, <laughs> they're going to be those guys that act surprised no matter when you tell them, but right. But, you know, for the most part, you can get out in front of it, do your do your customer appreciation, farmer meetings and let them know how it's going to work and and why it's good for them. It, it should you know, you should do it in a way that's helpful to them and they know their options. And, you know, to make this point clear that just because you put grain on DP does not mean you have to go short the basis. Right. You just have the, the opportunity to if you want to. Uh, we had, we had no storage at the last elevators at just DP, the guys that did it. And it was only like 15% of the grain we handled a year got put on it and it was sold pretty quick, but it was a deal where it went on it. Hardly ever had to really go short the basis and ship it. But if I did need to, I had the ability to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't, don't think that just because if you're changing policy, you never really deal with it, that just because you put it on DP means you have to go short the basis and sell it. You don't, you just have the ability to, if you need to. Yeah. And in years like this, so I know we're painting a picture of, oh, margin is going to be tight and there's no carry and the base is going to be high harvest. And it, high harvest. And I know it sounds rough and we're painting bad pictures, but there, there are definitely good opportunities in years like this. We've talked about that before in recent podcasts, but an inverted market. Now, while it does tell you don't hold grain and, and, you know, don't have along the basis position, what happens in those markets are, Guys that are on top of and aware have awareness of what's going on in the market, different buyers. Every buyer is looking at this too, not just your commercials. And they're saying, I don't want to own anything extra. I don't want to own anything extra. And sometimes, whoops, we get somewhere and we don't have anything owned and we need it owned and we got to keep keep the mill running or the the you know animals fed or whatever it is. And there are great, great opportunities in markets like this. So it Inverted markets, flat markets call are strong demand markets. And so you're going to see some great basis volatility that may not hit the posted bid numbers uh, that, that we see. Sometimes it will. But anyways, there's going to be good opportunities for those who stay aware and everything. So I, I, I don't want to paint too negative of a picture for this coming year. I think uh, we deal with a lot of merchandisers like this that have their best bottom line years in years like this right it just takes a lot more proactivity playing defense on stuff than you can and we haven't even talked about you know we've talked about setting your basis to to uh, compensate for lack of carry spreads but guys it's march corn spreads usually don't even start doing their thing as far as building and carrying until may yeah, once, once you get the acres in, yeah. you start hearing all the reports. Then you start getting some. So it's not, again, like Jason said, we're not losing hope. We're just saying if you're acting on, which is probably going to just be buying right now, buy at a basis that makes sense if you have to carry it through inversions, which means lower it, lower your buy basis. If you take anything else away from this, lower your buy basis, all periods. Yeah. Uh, Try to get sold up. Keep your basis positions as evened up as possible. Some people it's easy to do. Some people sell only the poultry market and those guys won't, you know, price anything out until delivery. Well, maybe you need to go through a reseller. They'll price stuff out, you know, even if you're going direct there, whatever it is, that's what you're striving for, you know? So I'm trying to do that and, you know, have some targets in for when spreads get better. If you're looking for a 
you know, 100% of interest cost carry from Dece to, to, to July, and you figure for you that's 15 cents, get that spread target working now, but do it on a meaningful amount. Because just because spreads have a seasonality of carry in May and going forward there doesn't mean they have to stay there very long. Yeah. Last year, they certainly didn't. But, you know, people forget that Dece July got well into the 20s last year. Mm-hmm. They didn't roll off there. They rolled off at like, I don't know. It was not flat or something, but it was possible. So have that stuff working. Give yourself opportunity for things to happen. Is, is the thing. Don't don't just do something now and not look at anything until harvest. That's I think is all we're trying to say. So let's switch gears for just a little bit as we're drawn to the air. At the beginning, I said we're going to talk about uh, what farmers should be looking at and what elevators should. We we've spent the whole time pretty much talking about how the elevator should be managed basis in the spreads. And cause that's cause you know, we're basis nerds and that's where our heart's at. But Roger is going to be going, he's actually even looking at trying to get some good uh, uh, walk up music for his uh, oh, yeah. big pie day. Uh, marketing acres. Yeah. Pete Archer. Canada. Yeah. And uh, we've actually been burning up the Twitter. You got some good ones uh, you think you're going to be using? No, it's all been garbage. Okay, good. Everyone has submitted garbage songs. <laughs> but uh, I submitted like three. What are you trying to say? I stand by my statement. Okay. Well, the Avril Levine probably is the, the leading <laughs> candidate, though. Why you got to make things so complicated? There you go. That's pretty good. Keep it simple. So what are you going to tell them at, the, at this meeting right now? So we like you, we said earlier, beans... The futures prices, Nova is 15.10, Dees corn is 6.70, and uh, new crop wheat is 10.90. And that's not even counting for the the foreign exchange spread up there. Mm-hmm. This guy's got it made. It's going to be a cakewalk. There's no accounting for taste. There's no accounting for taste, but there's accounting for currency. Okay, good deal. That's what I know. Yeah. But I did find out today there's a gravy shortage up there, so I'm kind of concerned about my ability to source poutine on there. Uh, so we'll see but you know it's going to be an easy it's i'm trying to use all memes in my farm present pre, uh, presentation so we'll see how that goes i think that's where the future, the future is, is. it's yeah. just point you know no more reading slides just look at this you didn't laugh okay here how about try, try this one so what do you get you just tell them hey profit's good sell it is that is that, yeah, your, that that's, that's your message i i pretty much it's very so i don't know what else you say but I think a lot of those guys up there in Pete's area are very proactive and they don't have to be, you know, they, Pete and Donna built a culture of, of being proactive on their farmers uh, with their farmers. I mean, on their marketing over the years. So those, they've got a great thing going on and I'm just go up there to reinforce the message, kind of give them maybe a little broader view of what other, everybody wants to know what other people are doing in other parts, other market regions. It's always the same thing, but they want to hear it. So, you know, I'll share that. And, just give that idea of, of being able to, to, as Pete likes to say, take, take some cookies off the plate when it's passed around. Yeah. There's cookies all over the plate. Yeah. And, and you know, what's the difference this year from last year, any other year? Well, when it comes to being profitable in your business, uh, the same math applies. You need to grow a crop and and sell it that generates more income than what it costs you to put it in. Speaking of that, I hear fertilizer prices are up and no one can make money. Is that true? Only if you grow wheat, I think I was okay. told. Something about cover covering your bottom line. Yeah, you gotta cover that. Well, if you cover line. your bottom line, then you you know where you stand. Yeah, you can't look at it that way. So that's a problem. 
but yeah, I was talking to, you just uh, got to uncover your bottom line. <laughs> so some farm marketing, uh, advisor friend of mine. And he was, he was sharing with me about some of the costs per acre that have gone up, like on fertilizer in this one area, it was about $70 an acre more this year than last for the same crop. And, uh, but he said the revenue number, however, was more than $200 higher than this year than last. So plus 200 minus 70, still plus 130, right? So still, still better off than last year, which was a good year last year. You're right. Last year was a profitable year uh, for, for a lot of folks anyways. But um, for right now you can, yeah, it, as always, it's look at your costs and can you sell above it? it I, I don't know there's anywhere that you can't do that. You can, right. you can sell. Not, not based on information we have today, which, yeah, you know, it's, it's all APH a lot. You know, right. fall crops are not even in the ground yet. So yeah. uh, for the most part, so. And no one, and look, there's the thing, buyers aren't necessarily pushing people to get a bunch of stuff sold right now anyway. If you want to sell the profits there, go great, get it. If you want to wait, fine. And, and, and don't be deterred. Like this, we talked about what elevators need to be doing right now. They probably should be bidding ten or fifteen cents less than normal. You absolutely should, and, be. or or more. They should be because you're not going to be able to do it later in a year. But here's the deal: as a farmer, say, well, Dad Gummit, I'm not. Well, they're right. they're undercutting me by a dime on the deal. It, Corn goes up three dollars and basis came off twenty cents. Yeah, you you're still <laughs> you're still doing all right, uh, but selling selling it all, locking it in, and you know guys have the temptation. Well, oh, they're fifteen cents lower, so I should do it HTA. You know, all right, what does that cost you a dime? <laughs> you know, but uh, that, that's another thing. Eight, Places where HTA fees have been like free or really not low now. are not anymore. People are definitely charging because elevators are sitting on a bunch of margin calls they've right. paid. And for you to ask them to, to sell new crop, you're asking them to get more position and have more margin call exposure. So for HTA fee, that's going to be probably right. more than it has been in recent years. But the, the other thing is, you're saying, all right, well, I want to lock in this price, but your basis, you're obviously being low on basis. And you just heard us talk about how basis mm -hmm. might be higher at harvest, right? So I get it. You're trying to marry that. But if if this war drags on or it becomes like, there's so many, I, I hate to even say about the war because there's so many things that could happen. Right. It's not just that. But, um, you know, if anything <laughs> happens that keeps driving it up and we see another big rally, basis won't be strong. Yeah, it's and gonna, we've yeah. seen that with you know wheat in at beginning of yeah. March there limit up and it right. drops two bucks in a in a right. day. Well, the thing is, these guys just got to. If you're a producer out there listening, just focus on the cash price. Yeah, I mean, there's no, I don't know, just it's dangerous to 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 follow the other things in these types of markets, and people argue with that all the time. That's fine; they have a right to. But I mean, twenty years of seeing this, I've I've seen who who's the most successful year in and year out is not the people that not the cash price sellers at Chase Basis. It's not. Yeah, because you're chasing a 10, 20 cent thing. And the guys will say, Well, I don't understand paying the HTA fee when you know, if I sell you the grain, you're gonna hedge it and have a margin call. That's true. But if you sell it cash to them, they have a known ownership number that basis they can turn around and sell it for a known profit. Yep. Yep. If you do an HTA, the risk is I don't know what the base. I have no basis ownership. I'm not going to turn around and sell that bushel because I don't know what I got to buy at yet. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have a fee. Other than you know the margin call uh, expense is a small part of that fee. I would posit that the bigger part of the fee is the unknown of basis. You're that's the farmer's price to pay 
for the elevator not knowing what they got ownership of this stuff because then they can't sell it. Right. If I've got it bought outright, I can sell it and lay off those futures. Yeah. I can't do that on HTA, not safely. So anyway. That's true. So what about, and we'll, we'll wrap it here and we're getting, but um, farmers that have bins and the markets inverted and everything in new crop, what do they do? Sell it. Don't put it in a bin. Yeah. The, it, here's, the, here's the weird anomaly that happens in these big rallies when we have inversions is that you see a lot of folks, especially on farmers, building bins during times of inversions. That is exactly the opposite of what the market is saying to do. It's not saying carry grain. They're like, well, look, I carried it and it's rallied up. Yes, I, I agree. It, it does say that. Or it has happened to do that. There's no incentive to carry other than price speculation. And that's, again, if you want to do that, that's fine. But if you're, you know, you hear out there, well, we need to start trading more like the elevator. Brother, I can tell you right now, in an inverted environment, no elevators want to carry grain. Yeah. And, and is focused. So, you know, there's just this huge disconnect between being a cash price seller and then trying to be a basis trader in an environment like this. It's not done through storing grain and waiting for the price to go up. Elevators don't care what the price does. If you want to hold it and wait for the price to go up, you don't need to build a bin. Absolutely to do that. not. I mean, there's a little a thing called easier. a call. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot easier Now for ways. logistics, of course, use your bins and get it, but don't say. But don't sit know, on a long time. Right. If you need to hold it a couple months past harvest and get it out, that's understandable. That's great. That's, that's life. That's logistics. But the idea of sitting on it till summer. I mean, do, do it if you want, I guess, but that's not what the market's telling you to do. Yeah. I, honestly, you know, selfishly, if I'm the grain elevator guy in a market like this, I'd love for you to put it in your bin so I don't have to put it in mine. Absolutely. Because it's not paying me to keep it in my bin. Absolutely. I'm just doing this as a service at this point, yes. you know, because I can't get it moved fast enough already. Yep. So, uh, so, I, so I, I know a lot of people think, oh, the grain elevator folks are just telling me this so that, right, There's you know, so that, well, th their motive is I don't want grain. So if you can keep it great, yeah. um, honestly, but, <laughs> but I, from someone who knows how, how grain bins make money and a year with big inverses all the way through is not a year where grain bins make you money. Uh, so uh, by sitting and holding stuff. It's being a proactive basis trader in a market service and buyers. That's when, you know, really the big carry markets are the, are the years where it pays to to really provide good service to the buyer, to the, to the farmer so, who you're buying it yeah. from. And in the years where it's huge demand, that's when the elevator has two customers. They have a farmer and they have end user buyers. And in the years where it's inverted, there's high demand years, it pays to be a great customer service person for the buyer, for the end user and taking care of them so that you're their first call when they're out of stuff and their basis spikes up 30 cents from yesterday, you know, and stuff like that. Like you, that's where it pays to really be in. And obviously you got to follow through. You can't just be there and say, yeah, it's old, but you got to perform. You got to help them out and be there when they're in the bind and help them out, not beat them up over a trade just because you can and live to find another. So there's a lot of, a lot of things you can do to help uh, service that side in this environment. So that's it. That's all that needs to be said. Well, that's good because we're out of time. Five o'clock somewhere, right? Yeah. As always, we, we thank everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. Laters. As always, thanks for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe 
to the podcast and share it with folks you know in the business. And if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas, you can always find us on Twitter at Elevators Cut. Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Oh.